Welcome to Please Bet All Football Games. Hello and welcome to week four of The Call. I am your host, Alex, here with the on-air talent, Joe. Joe, how are you doing today? Jesus Christ, we're four fucking weeks in. Do, do you remember when we promised that we were going to just, we we're just going to have a perfect 5-0 and for the first four weeks? I do. I also remember not believing that we were going to uphold that promise. Well, we haven't. Uh, we're currently hitting 45% on the pod picks, including the bonuses. Uh, honestly, after having an 0-5 week in week two, we bounced back really nicely with a three and two week that goddamn should have been four and one, but for Jimmy G. Yeah. I mean, we've already talked about these games, Yep, but that San Fran one hurt still came out positive. Pond is up two units on the week, but definitely looking to kind of write it up and get past just barely winning. Well, luckily I fucking love this card. So let's, should, should we do the thing? Should we, uh, on in? Yeah, let's jump on in. First up. We have Thursday night football and actually an interesting Thursday night football game this week. We have the Miami Dolphins going to play the Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals are minus four. Okay. This hurts me because my first, like my literal first instinct after the games on Sunday took place was, oh dude, I cannot wait to fade Cincinnati and I cannot wait to fade Miami. And now we can't. It's literally not possible. Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, they both had big wins, are back on top of the hype for the Bengals and Dolphins riding at the top of the hype, but they play each other. So we're not really getting very much value. Honestly, I feel like Dolphins plus four if I had to pick one. Oh, sir, I, I kind of I, I don't like saying this, but I kind of want to bet Dolphins plus four. Yeah, that's like I don't hate it because I don't I gotta, think the the Cincy defense can be able to keep up with them. They should be able to get some pressure. Yeah. To the ex- you can't really even pressure Miami though. But it's hard to the way they play. Exactly. They're too quick. Like they get the ball out of Tua's hands so fucking quick and and god forbid Tua is concussed, he is and doesn't play, he probably still will. I don't think Bridgewater is a downgrade at all. In that offense with McDaniel just giving them pretty easy throws, just get it into the hands of Waddle and Hill. Creative running game to take pressure off. So I've got a macro theory. And even if we don't bet this game, and I think we should maybe pile it, even if we don't bet this game, this macro theory, I think is useful. We like It is commonplace for people who are sharp and even quasi sharp to add value to a side that includes a great coach when they have extra time, right? Like Andy Reid off a bye, Sean McVay off a bye, mini buys, you know, when they have a Thursday night game the week prior, first game of the season, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, good friend of the show, Restore the Roar, our boy, our boy Rory hit me up today on Twitter when I was supposed to be doing my occupation. And he, he had this great theory. Like, what if really good creative offensive coaches just don't like they don't need as long? Like, what if really creative, intelligent offensive coaches are actually better off of short rest because you simply don't have enough time to, you know, counter scheme what they're going to throw at you on offense? And so we looked into it. 
And if you look at coaches like LaFleur, Shanahan, McVay, and Andy Reid, their ATS record on short weeks is, is like 65%. It's really good. So, and, and it makes sense logically, right? Like this isn't just a trend. This is based on some real thinking. Like if the reason it's hard to stop these teams is because their coaching is so creative and intricate, then it stands to reason that it is more difficult to stop them when you have less time to counteract their their strategy yeah that makes sense to me and so we've got mike mcdaniel who a pessimist would say is a top 10 head coach already offensively and that's all that matters well actually i take that back because one of my takeaways from this past week is dude what if defense matters again because i think it might but mike mcdaniel is at the least a very good offensive head coach who put who is probably a top 10 head coach And Zach Taylor, under the most generous evaluation, is cracking the top 15. And there are some who think he's in the bottom five. I'm in the middle, but it still seems a decided advantage, Mike McDaniel and the Dolphins. I think it's a definite McDaniel advantage. However, there are aspects of Zach Taylor's philosophy that I like. And they're pretty aggressive. They throw, they throw downfield. They're relatively good about getting the ball out quick in their designs. It doesn't really happen in practice. So I don't think it's a huge advantage for McDaniel, but it's definitely an advantage. He's undoubtedly a better coach. I don't know. I think maybe Pyle is a good spot for it. I definitely lean Dolphins, but I think both teams are overvalued right now. And, and honestly, both quarterbacks are below average. So if either of them put up a stinker, I would not be shocked. And we're trying to avoid betting on shitty fucking quarterbacks for a little while, if possible. We are. All right. So let's put it in the maybe pile and move on to Sunday. I agree. All right. Coming Sunday morning from England, we have the Minnesota Vikings playing the New Orleans Saints. The Saints are plus three. What do we do with Sunday morning Europe, Kirk? On one hand, he's closer to where Jesus is from, so he should get more powers. On the other hand, he should be in church, so he might lose powers. See, that's the beauty of Christianity is there are services all throughout Sunday, so he can still get his God hole filled. You know what? Honestly, we haven't considered this. His football ability might be directly tied to how recently he's been to church, in which case this could be the best he ever plays. If he goes to church on Saturday night, as many of the progressive Christians are wont to do, the 9 a.m. game would be the earliest he could get to a football field after church, you know? Yeah, so his cup is just overrunning with God's love, and he's ready to go spread it all around the football field. His cup runneth over, and cock shall be at his side. Yeah, I mean, we we haven't even talked about what Kirk is like with a filled God hole and cock running the show. God damn it. This show has just become penis puns with the Minnesota Vikings, and then also occasionally we make picks. And I love it. Yeah, I would. I am very happy this is the evolution we have. All jokes aside... Kirk Cousins has just has just magnificently Kirk Cousined after a week one where we thought maybe he could be something different or that cock might unlock something in him. It, it turns out that he just insists upon being exactly him and not him in the Stefan Diggs way, not him in the Tyree Kill way, just him in the this is Kirk Cousins. You know, I, yeah, he has been Kirk Cousins for 10 years. The thing about Kirk Cousins to be Kirk Cousins, he's unapologetically him. Uh, and again, I don't mean him in the cool, trendy way. I mean him as in he is just 
who he is and it's not lovely. And I'm, you know, even his parents might kind of wish it weren't. So our power ratings currently have Minnesota at 11, which feels slightly high. It does. But they also have new Orleans at 18, which feels about right. Yeah. So, I mean, here's the other thing. Jameis has been bad. Like Jameis has been disappointingly terrible, even giving him a, you know, a generous evaluation. Like it's been D's and F's. If it wasn't yeah, for, great for him, if it wasn't for a fourth quarter against Atlanta that was filled with tempo coming from behind against prevent defenses, he legitimately would be like amongst the bottom five quarterbacks in the NFL this year if he isn't already. So New Orleans isn't good and they're not particularly well built to abuse this Vikings secondary, which is their greatest weakness by a mile. Meanwhile, Kevin O'Connell is going to scheme something up on offense. Uh, they'll get 21 points. Okay, so my worry is that the Vikings secondary and coverage is so bad. It is bad. That it doesn't matter that Jameis is as bad as he is right now because he really doesn't have to throw that accurately. As long as his guys can get it, they're not going to be covered. Yeah, and, and you know, the Saints on offense want to run that dink and dunk quick hitter bullshit and the Vikings will just seed it to you because they're not good enough to stop it. Yeah. So now you have kind of route technicians in Mike Thomas, Jarvis Landry, and Chris Olave that are great at underneath easy, like middle of the field routes, not easy routes, but easy throws and, and get, a defense get, that plays off. And they're going to get free releases because of that off coverage. And they're going to be able to rack up yards after the catch, even though it's not any of their specialty. God fucking damn it. Yeah. So I, I mean, full disclosure, I have a unit on Minnesota minus two and a half, just because I thought it would be a closing line value play. And I don't love it. Uh, and there's a reason it's only a unit unit. And I typically bet two units on games that I feel passionately about. So it's honestly, is it, is it even maybe pile? I don't know. I kind of want to stay away, especially because it's England. It's it's you're playing at where are they at Wembley? Who gives a fuck? I don't no, know. They're Tottenham. I don't um, know what this means. It doesn't matter. They're at a giant soccer stadium and playing off a jet lag and in a weird time. Yeah, fuck anything can happen. You shouldn't bet on. We, we look to live bet Minnesota if it looks like their defense is holding up. But yeah, I, yeah, I, I just don't think this one. I feel comfortable enough to put money on it. I will be watching so, pregame shows instead of watching this game. Yeah, I'll probably still be asleep. Coming back to the U.S., we have the Buffalo Bills going to play the Baltimore Ravens. Currently, the Ravens are plus three. It's even odds, so probably about to move. Fuck yeah. All right. Um, give me Buffalo minus three. This is one of my biggest bets of the week. I agree 100%. Uh, I have one worry. Like, my singular worry is that apparently the weather might be fucky because of the hurricane. It's in Baltimore, correct? Mm-hmm. Let's see what the weather will be. Oh, fuck. 67 degrees which is beautiful, uh, 74% humidity, not great, 13-mile-an-hour wind, bearable, 70% chance of rain. Yeah. Now, the Bills are not broken if they have to play in shitty weather and run the ball. Honestly, I think the Bills are better equipped to handle the weather than the Ravens are, which is kind of weird to say. Walk me through that. Well, let's start with the Ravens on offense. The Ravens are having a really hard time running the ball this year. It's just not working. They are. It's they as a team are not running well at all. It's just Lamar creating. So I heard a breakdown by Nate Tice that I think has 
I don't think it's gospel, but I think it makes some sense. One of the contributing factors, he blames almost the entirety of the failures on this factor, but I think it's just a contributor, is that the Ravens are operating from under center more than ever. Uh, Mike Lombardi has been crying and throwing several hissy fits, wanting Lamar to run an offense from under center for years. And in moving Lamar under center in a more traditional uh, formation, they've effectively eliminated the threat of Lamar running on handoffs, therefore changing the math. You know, you know, if you watched the NFL in 2012 with Robert Griffin, you know, when a quarterback runs, you get an extra blocker effectively. So every box becomes one man lighter, which makes it easier to run. And when you add the misdirection of a read option, not only do you change that math, but you also get the element of surprise. Because the Ravens are no longer running out of shotgun as much, their running backs are not getting the benefits of all of these advantages, and therefore their running game is less efficient. I think that's true. I also think that J.K. Dobbins is coming off major injury, and it, lo- it shows he's not as ex- explosive. Additionally, their offensive line just isn't getting a push. Ben Powers at left guard. He kind of sucks. Daniel Fa'alele, who I love at left tackle, it's clear he needs time to pop, you know, and he was a raw talent anyway. Even like as somebody who liked him as a prospect, I said like, yeah, he's second round because you need to teach him how to play tackle. He's played football like three, four years. He needs to be taught. So the the left side of their line is kind of shit. And then the right side of their line kind of doesn't really match because even though, you know, Linderbaum is really good, he's more of like a movement center, whereas the rest of the right side of their offensive line, like Morgan Moses, it's and, and Kevin Zeitler, it's, it's Maulers. So they're kind of clunky and funky in the running game. And Lamar is mistake prone enough when it's fucking dry outside, especially when it comes to aiming a ball. So I don't love Baltimore's offense. And then conversely, Buffalo's defense, they're very good. But to the extent that they have a weakness, it's that their entire secondary is just decimated. You know, they lost Christian Benford. So now they're down to their fourth and fifth cornerbacks. But if you're running the ball, you're, you're playing away from that weakness. You're running into their front four, which is the strength of their defense, and their linebackers, which are very good, especially against the run, because Tremaine Edmonds can't get as lost against the run. So on offense, I don't think Baltimore is particularly well-equipped to handle the rain and the wind. And then on the other side of the ball, we've seen time and time again, weather does not matter to Josh Allen. He's too big and too strong. The, the water one of- matters to him. Well, maybe. He played like absolute shit against Miami. I don't know what to blame it on, but I don't think it's going to happen two weeks in a row. I think he does better in the, the cold weather elements. Maybe. And, and to the extent that that's true, we have that on our side. Because it's not yep. going to be, it's not going to be hot. It's just going to be windy and rainy. Additionally, if ball security becomes a problem, if passing becomes an issue, all of a sudden Josh Allen can run. And I think that Josh Allen's a slightly more efficient runner than Lamar Jackson. Go ahead and at me. I won't pay attention to you. Uh, Buffalo also has sneakily had a very good running game. And, and maybe that's set up by the fact that they pass so often and they're running out of spread formation. So they get light boxes that are, you know, rushing the passer on the outside rather than clogging the middle against a run. But the song remains the same. They're running the ball efficiently. And that's before the getting Josh Allen engaged. So I just see more ways for Buffalo to move the ball in shitty weather than I see for Baltimore to do so. And frankly, Buffalo is on a much higher caliber as it is anyway. Yeah, I I just think Buffalo is a better team. They've looked better this entire season. 
Yes, their secondary is very hurt right now. It seems like Jordan Poyer will play this week, but obviously they lost Micah Hyde. You talked about how empty the corner room is right now. But Baltimore is not in a much better situation. They're decimated as hell on defense as well, and their defense has been playing poorly. As well. Like, they were – the Patriots were moving on them last weekend, and honestly, if Mac doesn't throw, what, three picks, four picks? Sounds right. It very well could be a different game, and we could be talking about how the Ravens lost to the Patriots. So I think the Ravens' defense is a lot worse than the Bills' defense, and Buffalo's offense is more dynamic because even though Lamar has been much better as a passer and some of those guys in Baltimore's offense, uh, like Duvernay, have blown up a little bit, they still don't have anything like what Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs have, and the amount of coverage bust the Ravens have had to this point, even if it's a shitty weather game, that's going to come back to bite them. Uh, plus, we're just getting the value of Buffalo off a loss. Yes, it was against another team that people think are really good, so they're probably not dropping a lot. But Baltimore had a pretty decisive win. Everyone's talking about Lamar is God again. You know, he's got more touchdowns himself than like 28 teams have or something like that. Um, so I think it's a value play and we're just on the right side with talent. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Uh, I feel like we might make this the best bet, but I don't know if we necessarily need to call it right now. I was going to say the issue is that there are two other bets that I also fucking love that may be best bets because truth be told, there are three bets that I currently have three unit plays on in real life. All right. Well, then we'll, uh, we'll keep moving. This one, definitely a bet, and we'll come back and see about best bets. Next up, we have the Chicago Bears going to play the New York Giants. The Giants are minus three. However, that is minus three, minus 120, so that number's probably about to move, too. Oh, God damn it. Um, fuck me. It's hard to take the Giants minus three. It's in Chicago. Mm -hmm. It's in New York. It is in New York. Oh, thank God this game's at one o'clock, so I have no excuse to go. Um... So the Bears are probably a little overvalued because they just had a fraudulent win against Houston. And the Giants are probably a little undervalued because they just got embarrassed by the Cowboys with a backup quarterback on Monday Night Football. So I'm going to stop you right there. What did we say in the recap pod and at the beginning of this pod? No betting on bad quarterbacks. And Daniel Jones is the better quarterback in this game. And where's he at in QB rankings? I don't know, but it's bad. And you're right. Mm, He wasn't supposed to be trusted in the first place. He is correct. We got to listen to Chappelle. We we can't be trusting quarterbacks that are never supposed to be trusted in the first place. Yeah, so I agree with you on what your evaluation of how each team is getting valued right now. I think I would lean Giants as well, but I don't want to bet on that game. I got a strong fucking lean to the Giants, man. And it's going it's going on the maybe pile for goddamn sure. Okay, we we can put it on the maybe pile, but we'll come back to it. Uh-huh. All right, next game. We have the Cleveland Browns going to play the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons are plus one and a half. Two, one. All right, so it's it's down to Falcons plus one. And a half. This was Falcons plus three earlier in the week, and I kind of wanted it, but it scares me because I, I think this game is going to come down to the fact that neither team has a fucking prayer of stopping the other one if the other one just runs the ball and does play action. And, yeah, and, that, and that's literally what very both, bad defenses. 
both teams specialize in running the ball and play action and both defenses specialize in getting fucked in the asshole by running games and play action. God, this game sucks. Well, Miles Garrett, I'm going to say it. He's not fucking playing. I, I would I, be surprised if he played. Got in a fucking car crash on a Tuesday or a Monday he night. his car multiple times. And it was a luxury car. So, I mean, he probably shouldn't have been in it just as far as size, like occupancy goes anyway. Like it, it could not have been safe for him. Um, Too tall for this ride. They say he's got a strained bicep and a strained something else and shoulder. Yeah, that that reads to me like take a week off, buddy. Especially yeah. playing against a team like the Falcons that everybody still considers amongst the very bottom of the NFL. You get the better quarterback in Atlanta. You got similar coaching. This is in Atlanta. Yep. Fuck. Why are we not taking Atlanta? It's because Atlanta's Atlanta, and they they're cursed and they always lose. But I, I want to take Atlanta. Nick Chubb was going to have two hundred yards. So is Cordell Patterson. But then Kareem Hunt will have 150. But then Marcus Mariota will be way better than Jacoby Brissett. I don't know, man. I feel like the the Browns are going to be able to run at will. This is the over is probably the play. I don't do totals. I don't know what the fuck they mean or what the key numbers are, but it sounds right. Overs is just gambling, man. I I will. I don't think you can handicap overs because it's so much based on just like the luck of how the game turns out. As soon as there's turnovers. Either it can completely change if you have an over. Like with spreads, you still have because the teams are still playing against one another. I mean, you can get a little bit screwed on ma- uh, on math, but either way, um, I mean, you're very right, dude. You're getting Atlanta at home, but Atlanta. You know what? This is something that people aren't going to consider, and this is a trend that is very strong in basketball and hockey. And I'm going to say that it probably applies in to some extent to the NFL in hockey and basketball. When teams go on road trips for an extended period of time and then they finally come back and have a home game, they typically underperform pretty significantly. Atlanta had a game against LA two weeks ago. They stayed in a hotel in California for the week practicing so that they could then travel the shorter distance to Seattle. So they haven't been home in two weeks. They're finally fucking home. They're coming off a win. They're happy. The Browns are coming off of a mini buy. So extra rest, extra preparation. Both of these defenses suck. I am inclined to back the better quarterback in Mariota, but I am not dissuaded by the fact that Cleveland has an elite running game going against a terrible running defense. Can we? Are we just going to put every fucking game on the maybe pile? Because I like this bet, but I don't like it enough to bet it. Uh, so far, that's that's what it looks like. I mean, what else can we do? Uh, am I missing anything in this handicap? No, I don't think so. I, I think it is relatively simple in that you have two really bad defenses with two offenses that can run the ball. Decent coaches, but coaches that definitely want to run the ball and control the game that way. Cleveland is coming off the mini-buy, but probably missing their best player in Miles Garrett. They're not going to stop shit. Their fucking defense is so bad. Yeah, but so is Atlanta. I know. I guess Cordero, Cordero, I don't know how to say his name, uh, has been having another great year. Everyone's kind of waiting for him to fall off, but he keeps producing. But compared to Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, Cordero Patterson has the second second most rushing yards in the NFL, despite being on a team that's often in negative game script. He's been very good. He's on my fantasy team. I love him. Oh, I know. It's just so hard. I fucking hate the Falcons. They do this to me all the goddamn time. And my hair is doubled in size once again. It's early in this episode, too. We're not even on the late slate. Man, this is tough. Maybe pile. I mean, 
there's yeah, there's nothing we like if we go position by position, we're gonna come out with the fact that the Falcons have two players on defense who are good. Grady Jarrett, really great. AJ Terrell, really great. And then everybody else, the opposite of really great. And the Browns are probably the most undisciplined defense in the NFL, probably get the least bang for their buck, the least production out of their talent. Denzel Ward has turned into a fucking abysmal cornerback, which is strange because last year he was a fucking elite cornerback. Joe Barry is just, nope. Joe Woods. Joe Woods. Andrew Barry. Andrew Barry. Joe Woods has just consistently led the most mind-bogglingly stupid fucking defenses in the NFL. So you can't expect anything from them. And you got Dean Pease on the other side. Dean Pease. Well, I was going to say he shut down Geno Smith, and then I was going to say he bottled up Geno Smith, and then I kind of settled on he survived Geno Smith. <laughs> yeah, that's where it's like, I don't, I don't feel good about this. Yeah. Uh, I think maybe pile like we're still in the early slate. We got a lot of games to go through. We will come back. I think that's prudent. Although it's not great podcasting. It is prudent. Yeah, it will skip to the end anyway. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, let's move on. Next up. We have the Jacksonville Jaguars going to play the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles are minus six and a half. <sighs> Talk about non-actionable spreads. Yeah. At six and a half. I feel like you can't really go either side. Like, you do have a revenge game. I got a revenge game from Doug Peterson. And that's a real revenge game from a person who's talented enough to do something about it. The Jags offense has been fucking clicking. It's been clicking. You get the better quarterback. Philly plays a lot of zone. What, what has been working for Trevor Lawrence is a lot of quick hitters against zone. But the Eagles have been unstoppable. But I think that that's why they have to fall back to earth. Although do every, they do it against a Jags defense? Everybody is everybody is overrating Jacksonville because they beat a shitty Chargers team with an injured quarterback and a terrible coach. It's just not the right time to back Jacksonville, even if I think there's value there. I agree with you. I think the the value side of this play is Jacksonville because even though they're probably a little overrated, the Eagles are more overrated. And yep. I don't think Jalen Hurts can continue to play at this level. He very well might prove me wrong, but Jacksonville will play man coverage. They have the horses to do so. And they will get after the passer because they've got good edges and Trayvon Walker will be able to contain Jalen Hurts. And they have good linebackers to contain Jalen Hurts on a spy. On the other hand, Philly should be able to stuff any of Jacksonville's runs, which has been low-key their bread and butter. But the quick hitters are going to hit because Philly plays off-zone coverage a lot, and it's vanilla. And you can, get, you can get Christian Kirk in some motion, get him the ball in some space. That's what they've been doing, and it's been working a lot, and it makes sense that it should keep working, especially in this matchup. I lean pretty strongly to Jacksonville, but we are currently orchestrating an incredibly non-committal podcast. Yes, we are. Uh, I lean Jacksonville as well, but I don't think this is a good time to take them because even though Eagles overrated, they've they've been on one. And while I don't think this is who Jalen Hurts is, he's hot right now. And I don't necessarily want to bet against him while he's on his hot streak. I might wait for a middling or bad Jalen Hurts game before I am ready to bet against them. Who do the Cowboys play this week? Yeah. The comms. Okay. Never mind. I was going to say that something terrible is, oh my God, something terrible. Is, oh my God. I overlooked it. The Giants are going to win because Jacksonville is going to win. 
and the Giants are going to be tied for first place with the Eagles just for the chaos of the NFC East. That's the only way that this happens. I feel like it's too early for that level of NFC East chaos. Nope. The Giants I, I think... started, the Giants started 2-0 and despite literally not deserving to win even half of one of those games. I think the NFC East chaos we are more likely to get is Cooper Rush continues to win. I think this is where you were initially going. And then we're going to have the Cowboys in first place. Are they, they're two and one, or they want them to? They're two and, two one. and one. Yeah, with Cooper Rush as Dak is about to come back. Well, I don't, we can talk about this, but I don't think Cooper Rush is necessarily a downgrade for them. <sighs> yeah, we'll, we'll get to that though. Um, back to this game. I want to bet Jacksonville. I just don't have the balls, and I don't know why. Jacksonville feels scary, even though I was higher on Trevor Lawrence than a lot of people coming into this season. I was much higher on Christian Kirk. I was higher on Trayvon Walker and the good Josh Allen, who is now less good than the other Josh Allen in Buffalo. Man, good Josh Allen. This is tough. Yeah, he's the good Josh Allen. It's just that the bad Josh Allen became the great Josh Allen. Exactly. So he's still the good Josh Allen. As much as things change, they stay the same. Man, yeah, no, we'll just we'll fucking maybe pile this because I don't know what else to do with it. Or maybe great. We we feel we feel about almost every game. I think we feel about literally every game. We're not looking for games that we like or even that we feel about. We're looking for games that we love. All right, let's move on. Next up, we have the Los Angeles Chargers going to play the Houston Texans. The Texans are plus four and a half. Only, wow. Okay, so first of all, the Chargers, you just can't bet on them right now. You cannot. They're falling apart, and apparently there's like a mutiny on the verge of beginning against Brandon Staley's fraudulent ass. Uh, Are you talking about the, the one quote that got released? Maybe because okay, I saw that as well. And I did some deeper digging into it about like, oh, we don't you know, we don't know what they're doing or whatever. Um, And that wasn't about like, I guess it wasn't about the coaching staff in the front office where there's smoke, there's fire. It, it, if, if everybody in the media who was in love with him is starting to realize like, oh, maybe he's actually not very good. Then the players who are firsthand know that he's not good. I, yeah, it, I don't disagree with that. It's just one of those things like it might not even be rational. It could be because he's kind of nervous or because he ties his shoes the wrong way. But if there's smoke that the players might be upset with him, then they are. That's fair. And also, Justin Herbert's beat up. Yeah. I mean, he, he wasn't himself last week, but he was still pretty good. He was, but it's not enough. He has to be great for that offense to function. Yeah. No, he has to be perfect for that offense to function. I don't want it. I don't want this game. And I don't think four is enough to take Houston either, because if the Chargers are going to, if the Chargers win, it's going to be because they are playing their average. So like their, their, their average is much better than Houston. So if the Chargers win, they're going to blow them out. And if Houston keeps it close, they're probably going to win. If you want Houston, take it money line. I don't. Yeah, I think this is just a stay away. Uh, There's a lot of volatility about the Chargers. Houston's still a bad team, and four and a half is not enough to bet on them. Yeah, this is our first game that we don't have a feel on. We don't want this game. All right, well, then let's move on. Next up, we have the New York Jets going to play the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers are minus three and a half. We don't bet on shitty quarterbacks, and there's not a quarterback in this game who deserves to be in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely not. Not betting on this game. Uh, We were waffling back and forth when Daniel Jones was involved. Uh, No chance we bet on Trubisky again, and we're not betting on the corpse of Joe Flacco. Or maybe fresh off the uh, IR. 
Zach Wilson, though I don't think that'll happen. Yeah, correct. All right, well, let's move on then. Yeah, so nobody should be betting on this game. Um, if you are betting on this game, you either have inside information or an illness. My bet would be on the latter. All right, but let's move on. Next up, we have the Seattle Seahawks going to play the Detroit Lions. The Lions are minus four and a half. Do you want the Lions? I do. The Lions are the side. The Lions are definitely the side, but didn't Tracy Walker go out for the year today? What other, I want to, I want to go look up injury stuff because <laughs> I do generally want to bet on the Lions. Just begging for a reason to not have to bet on the Lions. Well, I just want to make sure before, and then we come back and we go, Oh, I fucked up. We didn't look at the injury report and three people were on it. And there were key factors, man. It doesn't look like injuries are going to be a significant factor in this game. You're right about Tracy Walker. He's not playing. It doesn't look like, but it looks like they should get Amari Oruwarie back. Yeah. Tracy Walker's like IR. He, I think he tore his Achilles. He's done for a year. And that's unfortunate. He's a good player. But, man, we got to bet Lions. I think we do. We got to bet the Lions. Covering Dan Campbell. It's covering Dan Campbell. It's Ben Johnson, who's an offensive coordinator we really like. And, okay, the Seahawks have a really bad offensive line, worse than any of the years that Russ was there. The Seahawks also have a terrible defensive line, probably the worst defensive line in the NFL. It's it's definitely at the bottom. The Seahawks also have a young and, shall we say, inconsistent secondary, by which I mean not a good one. Honestly, there's no redeeming. There's not a redeeming. Okay, I'll be a little less hyperbolic. Their starting free safety is Quandre Diggs. He's the only player on this entire defense who probably should start on an NFL team. And I have no qualms about that statement. Unless you think that Ucheno Nwosu is actually low-key great, which I don't agree with at all. There is nobody on this defense who belongs starting on an NFL roster except for Quandre Diggs. Yeah, I mean, the Seahawks are incredibly bereft of talent. The worst team in the NFL. Easily the worst team in the NFL. But... The Lions, I mean, it, I assume Josh Reynolds and Amon Ross St. Brown are both going to play, but they both do have ankles. I would hope they have ankles. They have they have ankle injuries on the injury report. Man. DeAndre Swift is a little banged up. What do you say that line is? Four? It's four and a half. Fuck. No, yeah, four and a half. I know. That's where it's like, I want to take the Lions, but four and a half? What an awful number. Prime teaser. I just wrote it. No, we can't tease through zero. There's just no value in that. Anchor. Get anchor. Anchor money line. We could pair this with a leg. I know. I just like I want to bet on the Lions. I do too. They're a better team. I don't want to bet on them at four and a half. Where is it? In Detroit. In Detroit. Fuck my ass. God damn it. We gotta bet the Lions. We gotta bet the Lions. Let's put them at number five on our list. They'll be our lowest okay. pick, and it's the first one out if we put one out. All right. So tentatively adding the Lions to the board. All right. So we've got our first bet is Buffalo over Baltimore, and now we've got apparently Detroit minus one half. All right. Well, let's move on. Yeah. One. Next up, we have the Tennessee Titans going to play the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts are minus three, but that number is at minus 120, so it's probably about to move. Man, this is tough because after years of betting on the Titans in this game and it's serving us well, 
my inclination is to bet the Colts, despite the fraudulent win that they were granted last week. That's where I struggle because I agree. I think the Colts are the right team in this matchup, but we're getting terrible value. Like they just beat the Chiefs. And I know people are probably like, they're not jumping all in. Oh, Colts are studs. They're back. But they're definitely getting a bump after beating the Chiefs. Okay. This might be a matchup game. Hear me out. All right. Take me through. So the Colts' biggest issue lately has been that their offensive line is just booty, right? Well, Tennessee has no pass rush. Their only defensive lineman worth a goddamn is Jeffrey Simmons, who's elite as fuck. But the interior offensive line of the Colts includes Quentin Nelson, pretty elite himself. And is it Danny Kelly? Ryan Kelly. Danny Kelly's the guy from The Ringer who's dumb. <laughs> uh, so, and, and Ryan Kelly is a very good center. It's, I wouldn't say he's elite, but I would say he's very good. To the extent that anybody can stop Jeffrey Simmons, and I don't know that anybody can. I think he's the second best defensive tackle in the NFL. To the extent that anybody can, though, those two dudes are pretty well equipped because either you get to have Jeffrey Simmons one-on-one with Quentin Nelson, which is a battle for the ages, or you get to have Jeffrey Simmons versus the right guard, Danny Pinter. That's where the Danny came from. And Danny Pinter is not very good, but then you can kick Ryan Kelly over to double team with him. And then you're pretty safe. So the Colts offensive line is being gifted basically an opportune matchup. And then on the outside, now that the Colts actually have wide receivers that are healthy, I think we get a big advantage. I love Christian Fulton, but the one area of the game that I think his skill set is lacking in is ball skills. Michael Pittman is nothing if not a jump ball winner. On the other side, you've got one of two things. You've either got Caleb Farley, if he's healthy, or you've got Roger McCreary, who's like 5'9 and has arms the size of a man who's like 5'6 against Alec Pierce, who is six foot three and faster than him. I agree. They definitely have the matchup advantage there. I think that's perfect. Do you think Matt Ryan will look like Matt Ryan of even last year again? Because that's been the issue, is that Matt Ryan's been terrible. They haven't been able to run very well, but probably been attributed to the fact that Matt Ryan's been terrible, so nobody's really worried. Matt Ryan has been terrible. And, and I get the slow start, like uh, that's just going to happen sometimes. But I mean, he's basically what this handicap is going to come down to. Uh, on the other side of the ball, the Colts defense is solid and it doesn't allow huge plays. Like it, it, it's, it's a zone defense primarily that runs a lot of cover three and just doesn't let you get too deep on them. Yeah, and they're a physical defense too. Yeah. And that bodes well against a physical offense. And it takes away one of the Titans' advantages, which is usually if they just kind of bully teams around. Yeah, and God forbid to. God forbid Shaq Darius Leonard plays. By the way, you gotta call him Shaq Darius. That's a fucking sick name. That is a way cooler name. However, uh, I'll call him Shaq just because in the incredibly off chance I ever met him, if I got in the habit of calling him Shaq Darius and I said that to his face. Dude, he would be an idiot not to love the name Shaq Darius. I don't know him. He is an idiot and uh, he's much stronger than me. Well, be that as it may, Shaq Darius Leonard is the exact kind of guy you want to stop Derrick Henry to the extent that he plays. It's just, and Bobby Okereke is also a very good run-stopping linebacker. So between them and a dude like DeForest Buckner clogging the middle, I think that they're going to make the Titans play left-handed, and it's going to come down to Tannehill. The problem is that Tannehill's really good sometimes. Can, 
I was about to say, because he, he wasn't good the first two weeks, and then he was very good last week. He wasn't bad against the Bills. The game just got out of hand so fucking quickly that, like, their offense is not prepared to play from behind. They don't have plays in their playbook that are conducive to running a vertical passing attack. It just doesn't, there's not the option. I'm not even joking at all when I say it's just not an option. They have, they don't have an empty package. Like they can't go five wide. I don't think they have five receivers. And even if they did, they wouldn't have plays for them. I'm not, this is, these aren't jokes. This is all very serious. I, I, I couldn't tell at the beginning, but even so, that's hilarious in how crazy that is in 2022. Yeah, no, it's not good. It's very bad, actually. But it is worrisome because I don't want to fade the arguably, well, no, probably better quarterback, but I don't know what to do with Matt Ryan. And this is three, you said? Yeah, and at three, especially because it looks like it's going to move to three and a half. This game's tough. I would want to go Colts now compared to later. Can't wait on it to see what what happens throughout the week. Now you got to pull the trigger. Okay, so I know I want that game, and I know I want that game. I might want that game. I kind of want that game on the other side. Fuck. Do we got to put the Colts in too? Uh, I think we do. Mm, fuck. This is so square. But I mean, I, I think it's right. It's incredibly square. I I don't feel great about it. Your hair doesn't feel great about it. No, full it's afro. Touching, it's touching all four corners of your screen. Mm-hmm. Now, and there's so much gel because I had to go into the office today that like it, it's just it's doing exactly what my hands fucking told it to do. Yeah, I, I think we had the Colts minus three. Fuck. Remember when we started this pod and you said, oh, and I got some picks I love. And I was like, oh, this is going to by the I, end. I do. I love part. I can guarantee us a winning week this week. Find some wood. I was about to say, come on, man. I'm sitting down. I can goddamn guarantee a winning week this week because there are three picks that I adore. The problem is the other two. Fair enough. I'm going to write this I one down. I think for now, though, we, put, we, we throw the Colts on. I'm going to write it down. I'll give it, I'll give it one of these. I don't love it. That's our third pick for now. Outstanding. Let's move on to the final game of the one o'clock hour. We have the Washington Commanders going to play the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys are minus three. That number is also at minus 120, so it's about to move. Homie, how many games can I almost want to bet on? Because I see a matchup advantage for the Cowboys as well. Uh, the answer to the first question is, yeah, we're going to find out because seems like all of them. Dude, the, okay, we get arguably the best pass rushing duo in the NFL between Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence, and they're going against arguably the worst offensive line in the NFL with a quarterback who's incredibly oblivious to the pass rush. Yeah, and Wentz handle, like, he will stand in there with pressure and still try and make a throw, but I don't think he's particularly good at it, and that line is terrible. Do you think Cooper Rush can have a second week of clean ball football? Here's the thing. I would argue that the Giants pass rush that he saw yesterday night is better than the pass rush that the Redskins will roll out. And I would argue the secondary that he faced last night against the Cowboys or sorry, against the Giants was better than the secondary he will face against the Redskins. And so I don't know why it should be any different. His offensive line has gotten better. Tyler Smith has acquitted himself pretty damn well at left tackle. 
much better than we thought and, and about an average tackle. They're probably getting Gallup back. In fact, almost certainly, because he almost played last night. C.D. Lamb looked really good yesterday, aside from the egregious drop that he did not seem to care about at all. Hey, and, memory, man. And Jason Peters, old ass, actually looked good at guard, like legit good at guard. Fuck. We've got a team with a solid offensive line, good receivers, a solid running game against a defense that has no secondary whatsoever and seems generally confused. Advantage to that offense. That same team has the best defensive ends in the NFL against a terrible offensive line and a quarterback who loves to eat sacks and try to turn the ball over. Plus, you've got a ball hawking dude like Trevon Diggs versus Carson Wentz, and it just screams interceptions, whether they deserve it or not. Do you think McLaurin or Curtis Samuel will be able to take advantage of some of that, though? Because it's kind of Trevon Diggs, Trevon Diggs gambling and then everyone else being okay. Yeah, I I mean, Trevon Diggs is not a good matchup for any of these Washington wide receivers. They're all too fast for him. But are they going to be able to get the fucking throw off? I think they'll have a lot of quick stuff built in for that. Yeah, no, they will. But but I don't think they'll consistently be able to. Like the Giants O-line is, it's not great, but it's better than it has been in previous years. And yeah, Evan Neal's a rookie and he looked terrible. Yeah, he's I mean, Monday night game. He was never going to handle Micah Parsons well. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's a hard matchup for anyone, but Andrew Thomas is good. Like that O-line has some, has some ability, has some pedigree. And they were shedded immediately. Like Daniel Jones had no time. Man. I think you've kind of you've kind of talked me into taking the Cowboys. Like I feel better about the Cowboys than I do the Colts. I kind of do too, man. I I, I kind of like the Cowboys here minus three. And by kind of, I mean like I think I might actually like the Cowboys here minus three. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of agreeing with you. Like I don't I don't feel wonderful about it because we are towing the line of betting on a bad quarterback. I mean we're we're doing more than that. We're betting on a the the only reason that I'm not so scared of it is because Cooper Rush is not good, right? But we're not betting on him to be good. We're betting on him to operate an offense semi-efficiently. And yeah, so- it's an offense, it's an offense that we see Dak Prescott, who's not good, operate frequently. So we're betting on the delta between Cooper Rush and Dak Prescott being smaller than people think, rather than him being good. Yeah. And that's kind of what he looked like against the Giants. It's exactly what it looked like. He he dacked very well. If you can dack with these Cowboys offense and Kellen Moore, you can accomplish a lot. All right. I, I think we make this a bet. I don't want to give it the cha-ching, though, because now we have we have three bets that I don't really like, but I kind of like. And we have three bets that I certainly love. Well, you can just edit out a cha-ching of whichever one we. Believe. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to do all that work. I'm going to not give it a cha-ching and then we'll recap and figure out which two we're keeping in addition to the three that I love. Well, shouldn't you give it a cha-ching because you gave the other ones a cha-ching? No, I, I, OK, yeah, I'll, I'll do the participation trophy of cha-ching. Thank you. I know all those third place kids feel better. Moving on to the four o'clock hour. First up, we have the Arizona Cardinals going to play the Carolina Panthers. Panthers are minus one and a half. This may come as a shock to you, but I kind of like the Cardinals. I actually do too. They suck and they're on the road and we would be battling the steam. The sharp money is coming in on Carolina. But you get a good coach versus a bad coach, and you get a bad quarterback versus an, a quarterback who's playing average. Baker Mayfield's been average so far. Yeah, It's tough to take the worst quarterback, but the worst quarterback is in a situation that is so much more advantageous. The coaching is just fucking a complete mismatch. 
I agree. Also, Baker has historically played the Cardinals horribly. Every time he plays the Cardinals, he plays like dog shit. Yeah, last year was fun because it was one of those games where Baker did not play well, but Kyler played significantly worse, and Kyler just didn't get punished for any of his sins. He threw multiple pickable balls. He fumbled like five times, and, and none of them bit him in the ass. I remember that game, too. <sighs> I also remember the year before Baker was throwing picks left and right, too. This game is tough. I don't, I don't really want to bet on this game just because I feel like we don't need to. If the Panthers win this game, they're sneaky two and two, probably in second place in that division, and they they stole a win from the Cardinals that we didn't think they'd get. Yes, I, I'd be okay with betting on the Panthers again, which obviously would mean that's exactly when we should not bet on the Panthers again. But if they win that game, yeah, because it, it'd be a, a game that like is a little bit more legitimate too. They would need it would need to be it would be a narrative changing game. And they would need to play clean, but yeah, I I just don't think that that defense is going to play disciplined enough to keep up with everything. Rondale Moore might come back. I don't think he will this week, but he could. They got a good secondary, honestly. They do, but I don't think that matters a ton in the game. The type of game I think it'll be, which is ugly. I agree, but like J.C. Horn is a good tackling corner. He's not going to bust anything. You got Jeremy Chin. He cleans up the slop slop really well. You got. Uh, what's his fucking name? Tom Thompson. Um, Shaq Thompson, my dude. One of my favorites. He's a really good, fast linebacker. God damn it. It, it, it matches up well on defense. And then the, the Cardinals have no pass rush, which should help Iki Aquanu stay on the field. When clean, Baker makes good throws. It, it, maybe if Robbie Anderson can track the ball and actually fucking att- like touch it with his hands when it's thrown to him, <sighs> Baker just has to hit a couple of fucking... God damn it. Uh, the coaching is so bad, though. It is. It is so bad. Awful. They're and, not and, using C-Mac that much. And we're going against a good coach. So, yeah, no, I don't want this game. You guys know how we feel about it, but I don't want to touch it. Yeah. All right. Next up in the 4 o'clock hour, we have the Denver Broncos going to play the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders are minus two and a half. We finally fucking got one. This is one of the ones. This is one of the ones wait. I want. Uh, All right. What do you what do you like? Who who do you like? Uh, I mean, I would I would lean Raiders because I'm a glutton for punishment. Correct. Uh, the Broncos. I mean, they shouldn't have won that game. They're terrible. Terrible. They're very bad. The Russ worst. is bad. Bad. Like that that team is just. I I don't know how they're two and one. It's inexplicable. Oh, it, it's Raiders a on the other hand. Just keep finding ways to lose games and look bad, but it feels like they shouldn't be this bad. <laughs> no, they're not an 0 3 team. They should be. God, I love small samples because I'm like, oh, 0 3, totally egregious. They should be at least 1 and 2. <laughs> right. It's, it's like, oh, it's, it's one game. <laughs> no, man, I, I want to take the Raiders so bad. We're going to take the Raiders. We're going to take the Raiders because, the, okay, the Raiders offense has been mediocre and the Broncos defense has been fine. Randy Gregory is, is, is still really good. And it looks like Ronald Darby is doing the, he's doing the good year thing that he does. Sometimes he's awesome. Sometimes he's terrible. There's really not a lot in between. Apparently this is a year where he's awesome. Uh, the real advantage just simply comes from the fact that I don't think that, I don't think that the Broncos can score even on this terrible defense. Do you think they'll be able to run? Maybe, probably. Because the Broncos have generally been able to run. It's just that they give it up so much. I don't think that they will be able to pass efficiently enough for it to matter whether or not they're running. 
I think a lot of that comes down to Russ. I think a lot of that comes down to coaching. I think we get the better coach and the better quarterback with the Raiders. Sometimes it's that simple. I, I agree with you. We do get the better coach. We do get the better quarterback. It's, you know, we're getting the value side of it in that the Raiders are 0-3. They haven't been covering. And the the Broncos are 2-1 somehow. I mean, I people know it's hollow, but they're still low on the Raiders right now who are not a great team. They're not even a good team, but they're a solid team definitely shouldn't be 0-3. My concern for this game is that the Broncos generally run all over and get a handful of big plays because the Raiders do not have great coverage. And so they don't need to consistently make a bunch of passing plays. I think they just need to hit a few big ones that can help sustain their running game. They don't really throw downfield enough to even get those. They don't, but they have the guys to do it. They got the horses, and all it takes is a couple. You know, I really like this game, and now that we're talking about it, I don't I don't love the Raiders, but they are the value. They're the fucking value. I, I still think the Raiders are the right play because that offense should be able to score on you know this what? Denver defense. You know what? This is this is why this is why Denver won't be able to break the big play. Eventually, Chandler Jones has to be Chandler Jones, and Max Crosby is always Max Crosby. They're gonna get pressure. Uh, do and like do do we think that Chandler Jones is just completely washed, or do we think that he, he's eventually gonna snap back into being a good player? I mean, I don't think he's ever gonna be what he was even. Uh, two years ago but I think he'll come back to being like a solid player that occasionally flashes yeah and so far he's been terrible like defensive line is one of those positions where you can pretty reliably trust a PFF you know as much as any position it's the easiest to grade and and PFF has him as the 89th ranked edge rusher out of 104 I don't think I think that that regresses back to the mean of him being a top 25 guy maybe top 40 at the worst and then, yeah, Max Crosby's fucking elite. So I think here's here's another here's another encouraging aspect. Despite losing to Tennessee, the Raiders kind of shut down Derrick Henry. The reason that the Raiders lost to Tennessee is because Ryan Tannehill balled out throwing downfield. Wilson can't do that. All right. I I mean, I'm kind of on board with this from the jump just because, I mean, we've, we've talked about it. It's value play. We have a better quarterback. We have the better coach. It's gross as fuck. Yeah, I mean, the Raiders' defense is very bad, but we've got a very actionable number. The Raiders are home. We're laying out just a ton of reasons why they're the right play. I think we just kind of trust our gut, trust what we think all of these players are and these coaches are from what we've seen in years past, and maybe throw the last some of the the flukiness of the first couple of weeks out. And it was it was minus two Raiders, two and a half. I believe. All right. Well, we didn't get the best of the number, but I don't. I still like it. Yeah, I'm good with it. Anything under the field goal, I'm good. Yep. All right. Well, the final game of the three or the four o'clock hour, the New England Patriots going to play the Green Bay Packers. Packers are minus ten. So this game becomes even more frustratingly inactionable when you factor in Mac Jones being hurt. I don't think that Brian Hoyer is a significant downgrade from Mac Jones, if at all. However, that downgrade will be priced into the line, robbing us of any value that we did have. All that's left to say about this game is that it is a... You you just throw this fucker in as an anchor. Packers money line for your life, for your nuts, yeah. for your wife's tits, for everything you care about. I I will be absolutely blown away shocked if the Packers don't win that game. Find some wood.
I I don't even I don't even really care that much. No, but we still do it. Fair enough. Good point. There's just nothing to say about it. Yeah, that's it. And now to move on to Sunday night, we have the Kansas City Chiefs going to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bucs are plus two. So this game's kind of funky because depending on the aftermath of the hurricane that may or may not hit Florida in the next few days, it might be played in Minnesota. I saw that. That's kind of funky and I think kind of unfair to the Bucs because that would be a very substantial Chiefs home field advantage if you ask me. But... I'm inclined to take the Buccaneers. There's too much uncertainty with this game, and it's two very good teams facing off. The possibility of home field advantage being stolen from me kind of scares me off. Granted, if you made a real bet, like, no, not a contest bet, not a pod pick, but like for real, if you laid some money down, as long as the venue and or date of the game change, all bets are null and void. So if this game moves to Minnesota, void. If this game gets played early, void. If this game gets postponed, void. So we kind of have some impunity here. We can assume that this game will be in Tampa with perfectly fine weather and Mike Evans will be back. Julio will probably be back. Russell Gage will continue playing. Brashad Perriman will continue playing. And Cole Beasley will have another week in the offense. Boy, this is tricky. So I almost want to bet the Chiefs. Oh no, I don't. I I thought they were getting two. I was about to say, okay. Um, never mind. Yeah, though this is tricky as shit. I probably don't want to bet on this game because the Bucks offense, even getting Mike Evans back and probably getting Julio back, they've looked really rough. They have not really been able to move the ball. I think they and... did, I think they've been able to move the ball perfectly fine. It's just the fucking they've had four fumbles in the middle of sustained drives in the last two weeks. They haven't been able to score. That's that's Not a better. And that's tough when you're playing the Chiefs. Yes, the Bucks defense is incredible right now, and they should be able to give the Chiefs some fits. But with how little the Bucs have been able to score, that's where you're asking, okay, now do you think you're going to be able to keep the Chiefs under 17, 21 points? Which, I mean, it happened last week, but I don't doubt, I don't want to bet on that happening two weeks in a row. Mahomes has quietly not been so good anymore. After a week one explosion against the Cardinals, which now doesn't seem very uh, impressive, he's he's been average again at best. And the Buccaneers have a really good defense and a better quarterback do, and great wide receivers when healthy. Fuck. With with it being home dog Bucks, even though they might not actually be the home team, that's where I start to get on board with you. Just because I feel like in this one, you just take the points. <laughs> like, I think this will probably be a very close game. I think it's going to be a good game, but I don't know. The, if they end up playing in Minnesota, I don't like that. Well, if they end up playing in Minnesota, this bet is void. So just assume it's toba- uh, Tampa Bay. I almost called it tobacco. <laughs> <laughs> what is happening? I don't know. I'd probably lean Bucks then. I strongly lean Bucks. I'm going to put it on the maybe pile. Okay. Put it on the maybes. And now to move on to Monday night, we have the Los Angeles Rams traveling up to play the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers are minus two. All right. What's the Rams money line? Plus 115. All right. Best bet. All right. I, I, I'm not going to fight you on that. Like, are you fucking kidding me? This line is ridiculous. I, I know that this is like a trap for sharps and they're like, oh, 49ers look bad on Monday night. Don't you want to fade them? It's like, actually, yes, I do. Yes, the fuck I do. But more so, I also want to bet on L.A. L.A. just beat Arizona by eight points, and and it should have been like 20. Remember last year when Ben Skoranek just like could not catch anything at all? And it was weird. 
because in college, his game was that he was big and strong and had incredible hands, like really, really good hands. And then all of a sudden last year, his hands turned into absolute dog shit. Through three weeks, it looks like they're back. And it looks like he's actually a useful piece for them now, which is so unexpected. Yeah, I don't really want to talk about him as like a central part of any handicap. Well, the reason that he's important is because he can be your slot so you can keep Cooper Cup as your your F receiver, you know, your flex F receiver. So a slot that can also go outside and play the Z. And that can be really helpful because now instead of moving Cooper Cup around so that you can find ways to get him the ball, you can create basically... Without getting too technical, you can create voids. So you can use Cooper Cup as a decoy to get other dudes open because you can have Skoranek reliably in the slot. You've got Allen Robinson, and while he is absolutely not clicking with Stafford yet, he's got to catch something. So we'll see. The, the, the point being that their, off- their offensive weapons are significantly upgraded. Additionally, last week, Cam Akers kind of showed that maybe he has a little juice. Maybe he can be a running back again. And the 49ers defense... While it was very effective against Denver, it looked spotty. There were there were opportunities to be had downfield, and that's what the Rams do best. Yeah, I mean, I think the Rams are a better team. Galapagos might come back after a rough week, recalibrate a little bit, Doesn't, but dude's just bad. He's, he's not, not a good quarterback. He's not capable. He's literally not capable of having a solid or better game. So even if he has a good Jimmy Garoppolo game, it's a C. It's a C plus maybe. Yeah. So like we definitely have the quarterback advantage. The thing that I think we have to talk about is Kyle Shanahan has largely owned Sean McVay. I'm so glad you said this because I have the remedy. The Rams have the remedy, but I've spotted it. All right. Inform me because I obviously, you know, they beat them in the playoffs last year when that was a very hot topic of McVay can't beat Shanahan. And he slayed that beast a little bit, but he still has a track record of, I think it's eight to four Shanahan Mm -hmm. or seven to four Shanahan. It's something crazy. Now, keep in mind that really only three of those mean anything because Jared Goff is not quite the same as Matt Stafford. But Kyle Shanahan's been doing all this with Jimmy Galapagos. That still might be better than Jared Goff. And regardless, we're not we're not measuring the caliber of these coaches. We're measuring who wins this game. And when you have Matt Stafford, you're allowed to stick your finger in your ass a few times. But here's the real point. How do the 49ers usually go about beating the Rams? Because they have. They've had their number. It has been pretty dominant despite having much lesser talent. But how does it happen? What does it look like? Well, I mean, typically they just kind of bully them, right? Absolutely. They complete short stuff. They let Debo go crazy. Yes. It is short stuff with Yak, and it is a lot of running the ball and just fucking pushing them around, right? And and the reason that this is able to happen is because the 49ers have a good offensive line and a great running game, and the Rams have had really, really weak linebackers because they've been subscribing to that Eagles philosophy of just throw dog shit at the linebacker position because it's not that valuable. But literally every aspect of that calculus has changed. Instead of having the best left tackle in the NFL in Trent Williams, well, he's out with a high ankle sprain. So now we've got Colton McKivitz. You know about him? I, I do not. Me neither. There's a good reason. He's a fifth round pick out in 2020. Something tells me he will be a minor downgrade at the least from Trent the fuck Williams. Additionally, seems... additionally uh, in the past, the 49ers have had a solid, if not better, very experienced 
interior offensive line. We're talking about guys like Alex Mack. We're talking about, guy, well, did he even play? I don't know. Uh, well, we're still talking about dudes like uh, who's the fucking center out of Colorado State. God damn it. I had this exact same problem like a month ago when we were talking about the 49ers and their slew of centers who keep on retiring too early. Point being, the 49ers have always had good centers. They had Lakin Tomlinson, who had a couple career years in San Francisco. They had a solid interior offensive line. It's gone. We've we've talked a few times now about how it is extremely young and it's not particularly talented. It's still going against Aaron Donald and uh, is it Greg Gaines? I think so. I, I want to call him Adam for some reason. I'm becoming so bad with first names. What has happened to me? I, I would never was bad with names. And then You're I started bald, man. filling my brain with lawyerly bullshit that doesn't actually matter. Unlike this football stuff, which is very important. Mm-hmm. Learning other grown men's names. Yeah, their first names. Not their last names. Any who's it's. So you've got incredible interior pressure coming from Gaines and Donald, especially against the run, because what Greg Gaines lacks in pass rush ability, it's a considerable amount that he lacks. He absolutely makes up for in his ability to two gap and stuff the run. But now, instead of having randos and backups at linebacker, you've got Ernest Jones, who's actually healthy this year, and Bobby Wagner, who's Still Bobby Wagner, and you know his coverage isn't what it used to be, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about his ability to thump, and he still has that by the boatload. Also, and this couldn't be said in the last couple matchups, the Rams actually have their safeties healthy. Our boy Nick Byron Scott is playing awesome. He is a big hitter who can fly, and Taylor Rapp is effectively a linebacker. He's a really good box safety. You combine that with the injuries and just attrition that the 49ers have had at running back. And all of a sudden, that that bully ball that they like to play, that run game, it's not an advantage anymore. In fact, it might be a weakness. And then you add in Jimmy Garoppolo, who might be the worst starting quarterback in the NFL. Even if the run game was good, I think they would be fucked. And I don't think it'll be good. So this is my best bet. It's not even close. I love this bet. Rams all day and twice on Monday night. Uh, I'm not going to lie. You convinced me like three minutes ago. Uh, I already bet on them two units uh, in the middle of your your run through. Because I was like, yeah, you know what? You're 100% right. Trent Williams out. That O-line is not what it used to be. And the Rams can actually keep up in that bully ball game. And they're getting points. Well, we're not I, taking We're taking, we're taking line, the odds. But, like, but, you know, they're getting points. I know. Just kind of like showing me that no one is expecting them. The, this line is completely fucking wrong. And every single person I've heard talk about it has simply cited, well, you know, Shanahan's got McVeigh's number. No, he doesn't. And to the extent he does, he lost his right hand man this summer. Things are different. All right. Let's uh that that finishes the slate of games. Wait. However, no. we wait. don't have wait. We're not done with the Rams. We're not done with the Rams. Yeah, I got one more thing to say. Now we're done with the Rams. All right. So what's uh what are we looking like? And then what are our maybes at? All right. For absolute sure, we've got Buffalo minus three at Baltimore. Agreed. We're fucking chinging here. Number two for Easy. I said chinging with G. Our audio quality is not good enough for you to be slicing those razor thin lines. Yeah, neither is my lisp. Uh, the second bet that we know we like is Oakland minus two versus Denver. Yeah. It's a good one. It's not a great one. Yeah. A great one is our best bet. 
LA money line, but if you have to in a contest, you take the two points over Arizona. It gets a double ching because it's our best. San bet. Francisco, San Francisco. Fuck. Well, that was last week. You're getting yeah, you're getting too hy- hyped about LA. All right, so that's three. We got three for sure. Uh, I think we should definitely do Dallas. I do like Dallas. Dallas. We can do Dallas. Wait, there's Dallas. All right, so we need one more. And what of our list of maybes? The maybes that we have. Re- well, we've got a lot of maybes, but our favorite maybes that we had on here are Detroit minus four and a half versus Seattle. That line is moving against us. That line is moving towards Seattle. So it we would be shirking CLV closing line value. That is um, Indian Indianapolis minus three. Is that in Indy? Real quick, could you check? Yes. Okay. So we got a home team laying a field goal. That is nice. Man, it's really going to be Indy, Detroit, maybe Jacksonville. Fuck, why not Atlanta? Why can't they stop anybody on defense one time? If they had an average defense, we'd bet on them every week. Yeah. God damn you, Dean (laughs) Pease. I don't think it's Dean Pease's fault. I think it's the fact that they do not have any talent. None. Um, I don't think this is the right week to do Jacksonville. It's too, they just had two big weeks in a row. They're, yeah, they're due for I, a letdown. Even with revenge game and it being a big number, I think we stay away. So that brings us to either Detroit or Indy. Detroit, really, the only reason that we're laying off a little bit is because that number's four and a half. And it's a bad quarterback. Yes. But I th- Matt I think... Ryan is not a good quarterback right now. I know, but he should be. His arm doesn't even look that bad. This is gross. So, yeah, I I feel like this is a true, this is a tough one. I feel better about Detroit, even though it is betting on a bad quarterback and the skill players are a little banged up. But fuck, man, I hate taking four and a half. I hate taking anything in that four to six range. I know, I do too. I really do. God damn it. That's a fucking un- an inactionable line. And Indy is just sitting there so sweet at minus three. So cute. Fuck. We just bet on Baker and be done with it. Are are we going to bet on Baker for no. a, a, a three and a half out of four weeks? No. Um, I agree with you. That is the joke. No, Carolina's not in the calculus. It's just not happening. Bet Jacksonville. Are we coming back on Jacksonville? Man, seven against the, the Eagles have not scored in the second half all year. Six and a half. They haven't scored in the second half all year. And Jacksonville runs, well, how much man do they run? I, I mean, I know they run more man than they used to because they used to run exclusively zone. But let's see how much man they run. This is important. Man, <laughs> man, <sighs> they're not going to not gonna be able to run at all. And Jacksonville has the dudes to keep up with a running quarterback. It's going to come down to coverage. It's going to come down to quarterback play on both sides. Six is a lot, but you're right. It's too tough. Yeah, and I just I just found the numbers. The Jags are playing man about a quarter of the time this year. Yep, which is more, but not enough at all. And it's in Philly. Yeah. It's going to be raucous. Those fans. Dude, there were Philly fans. There was a significant Philly contingent at the Cowboys-Giants game last night. Just for the hell of it. Just talking shit. Yeah, they literally just went to talk passionate shit. people. And they have been incited. Shout out to the bird watcher. <laughs> I've decided bird, bird watcher is much I more am, fun than Birdman. I like bird watcher. You know who you it feels, are. It feels a little mysterious. It also feels a little pathetic. And I'm trying I to like be a mean. mysterious angle. I'm trying to be mean because I'm mad. 
All right. Um, they won't okay, change. So we're back. They won't in, wear the Kelly Green jerseys, Alex. They won't wear the Kelly Green jerseys, and that's the issue. And also, Jalen Hurts is a fraud. And because... they also unveiled a new, like the new Eagles logo, and it's terrible. It's the Green Chargers font. It's just the yeah. It's, it's exactly what the Chargers did. It's terrible. Yeah, I, it's it's a tough one. I got mad about it in the summer, and the bird watcher said that he like he was making fun of me. He's like, you can't be mad at letters. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> Watch me. <laughs> Fucking watch me. Watch me like you watch your birds. Watch me, bird watcher. Uh, we okay, say- so we are back to the no, we're not. age-old question. Oh, yeah. No, the age-old question for sure, but we're not back to the original picks because we uh, – what about Miami plus four? We've come all the way back. <laughs> Dude, I'll do it. I'll do it on a Thursday night. We know early. Um, I don't know. With this fifth pick, I'm really in reckless abandon mode because I feel good about three of them. Minnesota, I, I, though. Minnesota is solid. We get a consistently solid team against a team that might suck dick. And well, if the full god hole, British cock. <laughs> We don't want to bet on an England game. Oh, we want to bet on a Thursday game with a concussed quarterback. We see, what, like 16 Thursday games a year? We see one London game. We know a lot more about what happens in Thursday games than we do about London games. Is the Miami game in Cincy? Yeah. Let's go dig back into the matchup. Let's just see if we can find anything. This is fucking torture. I hate this. I'm going to love the timestamps on this episode where (laughs) the recap of our picks is like 30 minutes. (laughs) I hate this. Oh, you know what? I bet you that Tua is like PFF's quarterback, too. That'll be fun to look at. Yeah, four. <laughs> Why do we use this fucking website? Because the visual layout is nice. And it it is very pretty. And they update for injuries very quickly. Oh, God. Um, we we The Dolphins O-line has been interesting. Mm. And they're going against a D-line that, at least from the edges will get after you. Now Bengals. you have Teron Armstead going against Trey Hendrickson, which is about as good of a matchup as you could hope for if you're the Dolphins. Uh-huh. But but then you have Sam Hubbard, who's a good player, going up against Greg Little. An injured Greg who, Little. Who has not been a good player in his time in the NFL. Mm-mm. I don't want, I don't want this have, game. You have superstar Sober King Mike McDaniel drawing up the quick hitters for Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, who have both been incredible, like unguardable. And you have Chidobi Awuzie and Eli Apple. I like Cheeto. I think uh, Eli Apple's underrated. He's he's not, okay. He's I mean, not good. Do you think he's gonna keep up with Tyree Kill or Jalen Waddle though? No, but I also didn't think he'd keep up with Tyreek Hill in the AFC Championship. Fair, fair point. But Tyreek is pissed about that. Yes. Okay. Here, here's here's a fun little way that we can do this. The teams that we I am considering are Miami, Minnesota, Detroit, and Indy. Which team has the best quarterback? Probably Minnesota, which is gross to say. I I completely agree. Are we gonna bet on Minnesota again, man? With that fucking defense, I think so. We're gonna trust the cock yet again. Put your faith in cock. Cock will put his faith in you, amongst other things. All right. I guess we're going to uh, I mean, I, well, well, cock ride yet again. No, wait. I don't, before we get on the cock, let's make sure that we know what we're getting into or what's getting into us. Let, let's look at the matchup real quick. Let's look at the layout. God, this defense is fucking putrid. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Yeah, I just don't like it because the Saints have three solid receivers. I know. 
They do. And the, the Vikings have zero solid corners. Yeah. And again, Jameis hasn't been good, but he doesn't have to be. <sighs> he's got to be better than he's been. But yeah, no, you're right. I mean, J- Jalen Hurts tore this defense up. Yeah. Like Jalen Hurts was surgical. Jameis is probably the best quarterback that they'll have played so far. No, you're right. We can't. We can't bet on. We got to get off the cock. You can't ride cock this okay. weekend. Never mind. No more cock riding. Fuck. <laughs> I can't do Indy because arguably the better quarterbacks on the other sideline. So we're just going to cross Indy out. It's just not happening. I'm not betting Indy. Okay. So we're back to Detroit. It's looking like Detroit, Miami, Detroit or Miami. I mean, honestly, I'll be happy here no matter what, because I actually like parts of both of these teams. Like there are sides that I can root for. Uh, and the Dolphins would be beating the Bengals. Let's do the Dolphins. Let's do the Dolphins. We right. get we get the short week macro trend of good coaches being better with less time. We get great weapons on bad, well, on average corners. We get four points. Yeah, I think the four points is also a, a huge aspect here. We're like Miami is not an incredible team, but they're a good team. And they're getting points against the fucking Bengals. Yeah, no, you're. I mean, you're right. Miami Let's over Cincy plus four, one unit minus one ten odds. Fuck, are we doing a bonus? I kind of don't want to. <laughs> I, yeah, I feel like it'd be a bunch of like <laughs> tiny little bonuses because it's spread across four picks. Um, I don't want to do a bonus because I don't want to get locked into one. I don't want to do a bonus because I kind of don't like any of them. I, the only bonus that I would want to do, honestly, the bonus I'd want to do is Atlanta Moneyline. Yeah, let's, let's do that then. Screw it. But then why aren't we playing it in the contest? <laughs> um, Because it's not a good bet. It's just a oh. fun one. Okay. So Atlanta, and they're at home, Atlanta? Yes. Okay. Do you know what the odds are there? One second. Uh, money line? Mm-hmm. Plus 105. All right. So, fucking finally, we have first bet. Miami plus four over Cincinnati on Thursday night fucking football. Second bet, Buffalo over Baltimore, minus three, one unit. Honestly, I kind of want to make it two. We should. I'm down. Let's do it. Okay. We're getting good value on on the bills, even if it's a rain game. Yeah. Okay. So second bet, Buffalo over Baltimore, minus three, two units. That's a best bet. Third bet, Oakland over Denver, minus two and a half. Oakland minus two and a half. One unit, minus 110. I guess we're taking Dallas minus three over Washington for a unit. And our favorite bet, another two unit play, LA over San Francisco, money line, Monday night football. With a fuck it bonus half unit pick of Atlanta over Cleveland money line at plus 105. No cha-ching for that because it's bonus. We did it. It took way too goddamn long. It was absolute fucking torture. We, we had to pull teeth. But we found five picks and a bonus. We are coming off of a winning week. We are coming off a profitable week. Just watch. All of the bets that we were maybes on will win and Miami will lose. But I, well, let's pet some wood. Don't knock. Put it to sleep. Give it a little caress. I, I'm actually confident in these bets. Oakland is scary, but that's how you know it's good. Yeah, Oakland Oakland scares me. Dallas feels like maybe we're trying to get a little too smart. Um, but overall, I feel pretty good about it. 
famous last words. The only bad quarterbacks we've bet on have incredible coaching. So fingers crossed. Hopefully we uh, the next time you hear our voices, it is a nice upbeat tone talking about wondrous wins and how right we are. But just in case it isn't, do us a huge favor and please bet on football games. Asta. 